1: All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is an exciting game week edition of the HTC podcast game week for ECU baseball. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of this podcast, the publisher of HoistTheColors.net. I'm joined by frequent guest lately, Jonathan Wagner of Hoist the Colors. I know that he's a big baseball nut like myself, so I'm sure he's fired up. Jonathan, you ready?
0: Ready doesn't even begin to describe. I'm so ready for baseball. I, I can taste it. It's so close. So I'm ready for Friday.
1: Yeah, I can almost taste the the hot dogs, warm weather, uh, nachos, beer. Too bad we're going to get none of that because nobody can go to the games and it's going to be miserable weather, it looks like, uh, for this coming weekend. Uh, Hoist the Colors is getting one media pass for the press box and a photographer pass, so we're going to be rotating out depending on our availability. I'll be there on Friday. We'll see how it goes after that. Um, Savannah is going to be shooting for us on Friday. She hasn't shot for us in a while, so it would be cool to have her back in the stands. It's going to be an interesting year, but at least we get to watch baseball one way or the other. I mean, all the games are going to be on ecupirates.com or ESPN+. Plus, So there will be ways to catch them. Uh, Jonathan, we've got a lot to discuss. We're going to talk about potential breakout picks. I had an article today about the five most important players to ECU success this year that we're going to break down. We're going to predict what player is going to lead the team in home runs, lead the team in wins, saves, all that sort of stuff. But first, full disclosure, we're recording this on Monday, so we just learned the starting rotation for the Rhode Island series will be Tyler Smith, the fifth-year senior on Friday, Jake Kuchmaner in Game 2, and then Carson Wisenhunt will get the Game 3 ball on Sunday. Your thoughts when you heard that news?
0: I think it's interesting. I mean, Cliff told us – I think last week that one of Tyler Smith or Cooch were going to start on Friday and the other would go on Saturday. So that was expected. And I think we knew Sunday was between either Hunt or Carter Spivey. I wasn't quite sure which way it would go, but thinking about it, you know, looking beyond this weekend, you play Tuesday night, a week from tomorrow against Duke. That's an important early season, midweek game. So looking at that, with that in mind, I'm not surprised that Spivey is the one to get the start for that one, I assume. Just since he does have a little more experience pitching. But I think Wizen Hunt, hopefully he can pitch how the staff think he can. Because he's had a great off season. So hopefully he can come in on Sunday and really just pitch well, give us a few innings, a good inning of good baseball.
1: Yeah, it was interesting that last year, you know, you look at Wizen Hunt's numbers, he only made one appearance. As far as a pitcher, you know, he was a two-way guy last year. Uh, He made one appearance. He gave up three runs and did not record record an out. So uh, he had a 99.99 ERA, infinity ERA. But in reality, I mean, it was one outing. He was a true freshman. He really never got the chance to get his feet underneath him. This year, he's focusing more on being just a pitcher only. And so I think that's going to pay a big dividends. And his stuff is electric. I mean, the, the raw stuff is there. It's just a matter of him going out and doing it. And I think putting him in that Sunday role where more times than not, I mean, Rhode Island's number three pitcher is probably not going to be anywhere near as talented as him. I mean, you would hope that ECU can score some runs on Sunday to kind of take some pressure off his back. But I think it's a good move because I think if Carson hits the ceiling, he could end up being a Friday night guy in the future. But you don't want to put that on him right away. So – I think it makes sense. You know, I, I personally thought Cooch Maynard would get the ball Friday night, so I was a little surprised at that, but Tyler Smith has clearly earned it. I mean, you can't go wrong with either one of those guys, so uh, I think it makes a lot of sense based on how it how it broke down with no Gavin Williams. You, you want a power arm in there somewhere, so Hunt makes some sense. Um, okay, moving on, Jonathan. This morning on, on Monday, I had the five most important players to ECU success. And we kind of discussed this as a tandem before I ran with it. We had the same guys in mind uh, and ended up being um, catcher Seth Cadell, center fielder Bryson Worrell, uh, outfielder slash first baseman Thomas Francisco, and then pitchers Jake Kuchmaner and pitcher Gavin Williams. So we, we kind of discussed this back and forth. Who do you think we can make the case for that we could have included in there? maybe as the next wave of guys, just because there's so much talent on this team?
0: Yeah, I think there's quite a few guys that, I mean, obviously in a year like this, I think everyone, you know, from your starting nine to your top backups is are going to play a key role. But looking at just the top of the list, guys that come to mind, we talked about Ryder Giles a lot. Obviously, he's your key. He's a defensive star at shortstop. Connor Norby, second base. Baseman had a great year last year before it was shut down. He's had a great fall, and we've said it a lot, but he has really all-conference potential. He can be a great impact guy defensively, offensively, if he can put it all together for a full season. Um, And then a couple other guys I look at, I don't want to put too much pressure on him as a freshman, but Josh Moylan at first base, if he comes in with – I mean, he's penciled in as a starting first baseman from day one. That says a lot about what the staff thinks about him. So if he can live up to that potential and really be that big bat in the middle of the order down the road this year, that's huge. But then there's one more guy that I look at, and it's actually C.J. Mayhew. I think he was so good last year, and who knows where he's going to end up this year, whether he's kind of a spot starter when needed. Obviously, he's going to play key role out of the bullpen. But I think the key to the bullpen, we, there's a lot of arms there. But if you someone like C.J. Mayhew comes in and doesn't pitch as well as we expect him to, that really changes the whole landscape of the, of the room. So I think C.J. needs to come in and have a really good gear. Whether he's pitching, I think he's going to have a key back-end bullpen role. I think that's where he should be. I'd rather have him there than in the rotation personally. So I think all those guys are really important. And – Like I said, there's so many more, but those are the first guys that come to mind.
1: Yeah, I think whoever emerges as the kind of go-to bullpen arm or two makes a lot of sense because that guy is so important throughout the course of a season because usually he's being used twice a week, if not more. I mean, you don't want to use him that much. But, you know, Mayhew was used a ton last year, Bridges, Colmore. Like I feel like any of those three, you know, if they don't perform to expectation, all of a sudden your your bullpen – it's kind of out of whack. So I think all those guys are critical, especially the way baseball is going, Jonathan. You know, starters, they don't go nine innings or seven or eight innings anymore. I mean, it's, it's usually five or six innings and out, um, even though, you know, you got a guy like Cooch Manor who typically goes deep into games. But you're going to rely on your bullpen a lot, especially during conference play. All right, um, let's move on here. I, I had Gavin Williams in the top five. And this was my point of view on it, because I feel like ECU has proven it can succeed as a team and be a postseason team without Gavin Williams operating operating at full strength. Um, but I included him on the list because I feel like if ECU wants to get to Omaha, get past the Super Regional, they need a front line ace. And Tyler Smith and Manor they have experience, but you know, are they going to go out there and dominate Louisville at Louisville? You know, they don't really have the raw stuff maybe to do that, even though if they pitch really well. So I feel like Gavin upgrades the ceiling of the team and can take it to another level if he's performing and he's healthy, and that's why I include him on this list, because I think he takes the rotation to another level. Do you do you think Gavin can become the starter ECU needs him to be? I mean, what what's your gut feeling on Gavin heading into to year four now at ECU? It's it's
0: tough, and it's especially tough this year not 100% knowing what the issue he's dealing with is. I've, I mean, we all know he has early round MLB draft potential, turned down an opportunity to come back again to try to build on his stock. The potential's there. It's just my question personally is, is he going to reach that potential as a starter or is he going to be better served in a you know key back-end bullpen role as a power arm it comes in in the eighth or ninth inning and just shuts you down. I don't know. I hope he can become that Friday night starter because, like you said, I think he he's the piece that puts you over the top. This team, as currently constructed without him, they're talented enough to compete for a host, regional host at the end of the year. But I think if Gavin really comes on and pitches well, he's the guy who pushes you up into that maybe top eight territory. And once you get to the regional, he really – puts you in contention to really win and move on and make a run.
1: Yeah, and no, I think it's, it's it's smart that they take it as cautiously as possible. You know, we don't really know what the injury is. I think Cliff Godwin told 94-3 the game today that he won't pitch on opening weekend, but the hope is to maybe have him back in some capacity by the second weekend. It sounds like he threw a short bullpen and looked good. So we'll continue to keep you updated there. But really, I mean, you don't really need him probably until – Conference play realistically. Now, you would probably want him before that so he could build up his pitch count, build up his durability, but the last thing you want to do is re aggravate something as you go play Georgia Southern or Charlotte or whoever. So, yeah, I expect him to play it really cautiously. And, you know, from a health perspective, it's probably better if he's a reliever versus a starter. Although you can make the argument maybe he gets in a routine as a starter and, you know, can keep his stress off his arm that way, but. You know, we'll just have to see. I feel like he came back to school to be a starter because he wants to elevate his draft stock. So, we'll see. That, that, again, like always, seems to be one of the more interesting storylines surrounding this team is Gavin Williams' health every year. And we're not trying to put pressure on the kid. We just know, you know, there's a reason he's a projected top three-round pick despite really not proving much at the college level. So, if he puts it all together, we know what his true upside is. All right, moving on. Um... Let's talk about the schedule, Jonathan. The series you're most looking forward to this season, I've got one in mind. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit down the road for me, but I think it's kind of obvious. I look at the first conference weekend against Cincinnati, April 1st, I believe. But that's going to be your first taste of a four-game, four games in three days weekend. So I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see – how that alters, you know, strategy with pitching lineups, who you're throwing out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, who, how long are you pitching guys? You know, obviously I think the bullpen is going to have to extend a little bit over those weekends. But really I think it – I'm really excited for it because I think it's really going to be different. Obviously it's not going to be drastically different. Baseball is baseball. But I think playing four games in three days every week is really going to be – interesting to see it's gonna be a lot of baseball a lot of fast pace so there's a lot of ways you can go and that's what I'm interested in and then I mentioned the Duke midweek game it's not a series but I think the early season midweek game against Duke on Tuesday is a really important game out of the stretch no matter how you do against Rhode Island I think that's one you need to come away with so I'm really interested to see how that one plays out too.
1: Yeah, the midweeks versus uh, UNC Duke, UNCW will be interesting. I, I'm i going with the conference series, too. I'm going with one that we were robbed of last year. UCF coming to town to take on East Carolina. You know, Baseball America wants to say UCF looks like the team to beat in the American. I think it's been three or four years since UCF even made a postseason uh, berth. Uh, you know, I, I think until somebody knocks ECU off the perch, I don't see how you can make the argument that you know, UCF or a Tulane are the team to beat in the American. I mean, the last full American season we had ECU went what, 20 and four or something ridiculous. Um, The most dominant season a team in baseball has ever had in the conference. So uh, I feel like that is going to be a series that ECU is out to prove something. Now there's a long time between now and then and UCF is really talented as is Tulane and Houston and a couple others. But i feel like that's a series ecu is going to have circled they won't admit it but i know cliff goblin as much as he says he hates reading the uh you know the positive news and probably the negative news i'm sure that somebody got wind of that and sent that to cliff and he'll want to prove it on the field just like everything else but that's a series especially if there can be fans by then i think that's an april series um at home even if it's only 50 percent capacity or some percent capacity let's hope we can get somebody in, but I think that'll be a great series between probably the two favorites in the league, uh, along with two lanes. So I'm looking forward to that one. All right, moving back to our player prognostications and some roster stuff. Breakout player picks, Jonathan. Uh, you can go a lot of different ways with these. Uh, there's a ton of young talent on the roster. You know, you can really say even the guys who had good years last year wasn't a full season, so maybe they're still looking for a breakout year, so... Um, any thoughts there off the top of your head?
0: Yeah, I think, obviously, like you just mentioned, you know, guys like Connor Norby had a great year last year, but we've yet to see him put it together, and it's only his third year here, but we haven't seen him put it together over the course of a full college baseball season, so I'm really interested to see how he does that. But guys that come to mind for me, I mean, Skyler Brooks is an obvious choice, I think, He didn't have a lot of at-bats last year, but he really impressed when he did get the opportunity to get up there and hit 11 at-bats, five hits, I believe. And, I mean, he's got potential as a back-end bullpen arm too. So I think over the course of this year, his role is going to continue to grow. So he's a guy I have my eye on. And then this might be a little bit out there of a pick, but I'm looking at someone like a Christian Smallwood. He's been around a while, but he's dealt with injuries um, I think two years in a row. Last year, he wasn't really healthy. And then he was finally starting to get back into the lineup last year before things were shut down. And the year before that, I think he had a couple of nagging things that followed him throughout the year. Right now, I don't really know with Francisco moving to left field, you know, will Smallwood be your DH on opening day? Or will, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out, where he ultimately ends up. But I still think, when he's in the lineup I think his bat is good enough to be a middle of the order type guy too so I think if he can put it together I think that would just be more icing on the cake for this team
1: yeah Smallwood's an interesting guy I'm I'm glad you brought him up because he kind of gets forgotten about um, in the outfield discussion the DH discussion but I, I think you know there's a reason every time he's healthy he's hitting in the middle of the order clearly he's shown something to Cliff Goblin and You know, we can only hope that he actually stays healthy because that's been his issue as well. Um, Schuyler Brooks is a good one. You know, I'm going to go kind of with the obvious pick with Wizenhunt stepping into the starting role. I think he's got a chance to have a a breakout year. Um, You know, Carter Spivey would be an obvious one too. I I really like Schuyler Brooks, like you mentioned, also as a pitcher too. I think he can help in in the bullpen as well as, uh, as a batter. I'm going to go as my breakout pick. And, again, he played. He started 16 games last year. But, you know, Seth Cadell has been getting a ton of love from the coaches. Um, it sounds like he's really cut down on his strikeouts and has increased his plate discipline. He's always had raw power. I think if he makes better swing decisions, he can be a kind of a complete hitter. So I think Seth Cadell maybe takes the next step and goes from, you know, a solid starter at catcher to kind of an all-conference caliber guy. And I think that just extends your lineup that much more but I mean there's a ton of guys I mean Norby he has all-american type upside um you know Alec Makarevich who we who Cliff Galvin just loves to talk about we don't know what position this guy is going to play uh Zach Agnos I feel like we don't really talk about him as much now and he I think can take a big step up and there's like 50 other pitchers that we could talk about but again all this is potential and they got to put it all together so we'll see how that transpires as the season goes or goes along right a couple more player picks here what player leads the team in home runs um Jonathan this is a, a tough one I, I'll go first I think my answer is going to be kind of obvious based on what he did last year but I think Bryson Worrell I mean his power that we saw five home runs in 17 games and when he connects I mean there they are no doubters there's nothing cheap about him Uh, And I think if he continues to get pitched the way he did last year and teams don't pitch around him, I think he has a chance to do that. But there's a lot of candidates here as well.
0: Yeah, I think Worrell is the obvious choice, but there's a whole bunch of guys like Francisco, Um, Those I think those are your obvious choices of being your top three or four home run leaders. But someone I look at, and we just mentioned him, I just have a gut feeling he's going to be up there. But Connor Norby, I just feel like, I mean, him and Seth Cadell, I believe the coaches said were tied for the lead with five home runs and fall ball during scrimmages this year. So, I mean, if he can put that power together, that just adds a whole another element to his game. So, like I said, just a, just a gut feeling. I feel like Connor Norby is going to be up there and – if he's hitting somewhere like second in your order and he can add that power threat, then I mean, really this lineup can get you from anywhere if he can continue to develop that power.
1: Yeah. I really like Norby's bat. I mean, he's got excellent bat speed, not a big guy, but like you said, does generate a lot of power. Um, I feel like Francisco, you know, we look at him as a power guy, but he hasn't really truly developed that true power yet. But I feel like when he connects again, you know, he's a high average guy who I feel like should be hitting for more power, maybe this is the year it kind of all comes together for him because he's a big dude. He's gotten more athletic. I could easily see him jumping from, you know, what, five home runs the last two years to 10-plus this year. Um, So, again, I think all those guys, Worrell, Norby, Francisco, Cadell, maybe even Josh Moylan as a freshman, all have, you know, big-time home run potential, uh, which I think is a, a definite benefit. All right, what pitcher leads the team and wins. Um, maybe a couple of obvious answers here, but I think picking one to definitely do it is a little challenging. I'll let you go first, Jonathan.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, there's two obvious answers. I think with Tyler Smith and Jake or the way I look at it, it's really a shot in the dark, really predicting, because I think both are going to pitch a lot this year, and they're both going to win a lot, I think. But I don't know. I think, I think Tyler Smith is the guy that does it. I think Cooch Manor probably has the more high-end potential. But to me, Smith is the guy that I trust more to go a little bit deeper in the ball games more consistently than I do Cooch Manor. And I don't know. I just think that Tyler Smith, no matter where he pitches, whether he's Friday night, I think he's probably either going to be a Friday or Saturday guy. Maybe Sunday. Who knows, really? But I think he's going to be the guy that gets a lot of opportunities. Kushmanner will too, but something just tells me that Tyler Smith is going to have another one of his really great years. He was off to a great start last year, and I think he's going to pick it up right where he left off.
1: Yeah. I, you look at Tyler Smith's career numbers. I think he's like, I just wrote it this morning. I should know it. What, like 18-2 or something like that as a starter, even though his ERA isn't the best in the world. He just knows how to win games now part of that is I feel like he's used to pitching on Saturday or Sunday and I feel like he gets more run support than maybe some of the other pitchers uh if he stays in the Friday role I think I, I you know I feel like whoever pitches more on Saturday and Sunday between Cooch Manor and Smith is going to get more wins so based off that I'm going to go Cooch because he's starting on Saturday again this could all change in one to two weeks but I feel like Cooch Manor is going to more likely pitch on a Saturday or Sunday and then get more wins that way because he's likely to get more run support. But I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys. I mean, heck, even Garrett Saylor last year as a reliever, I think, had four wins or something crazy in 17 games. So um, wins can be a very weird thing when it comes to pitching. But, I mean, more likely than not, it's going to be a starter because they're always out there going deep in the game. So both those guys, solid answers for sure. All right, this is a tough one. What pitcher leads the team in saves? You know, Cliff Godwin has kind of admitted he's going to go probably with a closer by committee type of deal based on matchups, based on um, situations. But again, his top reliever, he said he'll bring him in in the fifth or sixth inning if he has to. So you could go a lot of different directions with this. You know, Matt Bridges comes to mind. Cam Colmore, CJ Mayhew would be my top three. I'm going to go with Bridges as a... Six-year senior, I think he he was in that situation a couple times last year. Definitely was in his earlier career, and I think he will be the most trusted guy early in the season. So I'm going to go with Matt Bridges, but I think it'll be scattered around to where you got a lot of guys with saves.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, you mentioned the three that are probably most likely to get those opportunities, and Bridges, Mayhew, and uh, Colmore. But I was going to say C.J. Mayhew, but the reason I'm not is because, like you said, I think he's going to be the guy that he comes in and he'll give you a couple innings out of the pen. He's not necessarily just going to be a ninth inning, come in, and shut you down, although I think he's completely capable of doing so. I think he's the guy, if your starter, whoever it is, you know, has a short outing, goes 4-5, then I think Mayhew is a guy who can come in, and he's like a second starter out of the bullpen. He's going to come in for two, three innings. He did that almost every outing last year, I believe and so that's why i don't think he's going to be up there with saves but i think bridges is probably the most realistic option um but garrett Saylor, i think he's really going to work his way into those opportunities as well he had a great start last year like you said so i think bridges is probably the guy i would go with but colemore and sailor are both going to get a lot of opportunities back there too
1: yeah and i wouldn't be surprised you know if somebody emerges like a you know, there's a couple of young guys on the roster we haven't seen a lot, uh, like A.J. Wilson, Josh Groves, who have big-time stuff that could come in and shut games out. Um, also, if Gavin Williams doesn't become a starter, I mean, he's your probably most likely candidate to be a closer if, if that's the route they want to go. So predicting what, team, what pitcher will lead this team in saves is a difficult challenge, um, but we'll see. All right, on the other side, we're going to have our final predictions for the season. How far does ECU go? Will they repeat as AAC champs? First, let's take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsors. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.
0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, back on the Hoisty the Colors podcast, we are wrapping up our 2021 ECU baseball season preview. Just a couple days from first pitch, we've ran through the roster, done some stuff with that breakout player picks, home runs, saves, wins leader, all that sort of stuff. We'll also have a written article with a lot of the same stuff and some other predictions later in the week, so keep your eye on that. All right, final predictions. First, ECU is the preseason favorite in the American, Jonathan. Uh, UCF, Tulane are threats. Wichita State and Houston, maybe some sleepers. Uh, Will ECU repeat as American Athletic Conference champs in 2021?
0: Yes, I believe they will. I I just think when I look at it, ECU has the deepest team. I think they have the most top-end talent. I just – I don't see them not winning the conference, although I do think teams like UCF and Houston, Wichita State, whatnot, I think they're all going to be in that next tier below. But I don't believe that any of them are quite on ECU's level right now. So – Yes, I do see them repeating as American champs.
1: Yeah, I do too. I think it's going to be much tighter than 2019. It's so weird saying repeat as champs, even though they took kind of a year break. But uh, I guess it's still factually accurate because there was no champion last year. Um, I think it'll be much tighter than 2019 when ECU had the championship wrapped up like three weekends left to play in the regular season. But again, no UConn, which historically is your second best team in the league. I do think that kind of hurts ECU from the standpoint of now if you win the league, you know, I think in the past, if you win the AAC, you're pretty much a lock to host. But with UConn gone, gone, which is a high RPI team, I think now you have to win the league and do so convincingly to host. So, um, but I think if you win the AAC, you're easily a two seed at worst. So it's still a very good baseball conference and you probably should host if you win it, but we'll see how that transpires. All right. How far does ECU go this season in terms of postseason do you think they host do you think they make it as a two seed and do you see them going past the regional
0: yeah i think I, i do see them hosting maybe it's because you know it's been a rough athletics year for ecu and i really am just buying into all the hype but i do i think they're gonna win the american i think I think they have a real good chance to host, and not only that, but I'll go as far to say as a top 12 seed nationally. I'm not going to go quite as bold and say, you know, a top eight national seed and host and then hope host a super. But I think they do host, and I believe they will make it to another super regional. And I think I'm going to stop myself there. <laughs> Before probably, I get too far.
1: Probably for the best. Uh, so to be determined after that.
0: Yeah, I think, like I said, I think they're good enough. I think they're deep enough. But every other team around the country is too. So right. Well, I think ECU is in a good spot to do that, all those teams that are always right there are going to be just as good, if not better, than they usually are. So I think it's going to be tough to really take that next step and advance past the Supers this year but I do believe they make it to the Supers.
1: I mean, that's the thing is really predicting the postseason, how far they get is a crapshoot. It's just, if you're ECU, you just have to continue to put yourself in that position, continue to make a regional as a one or two seed. And eventually you're going to break through because you're going to get a favorable draw or a team you're even with. You're going to outperform them two out of three days. So that's what ECU has to continue to do. All that said, I asked you to make a prediction. So I'm going to make a prediction now. Um, you know i say ec wins the american but they get screwed out of hosting a regional i just think it's really hard to host three years in a row and so i'm gonna say they go somewhere as a two seed but then they win the regional as a two seed and then they lose in a super regional which i mean is is a very we've seen that happen a couple times um but we'll see. I mean, I, I hope – again, I think, like you, like yourself, I think this team is definitely talented enough. If everything comes together, they're an Omaha caliber team. Uh, it's just, will the team stay healthy? Will they stay COVID-free? Will fans get back in the park? Because I think fans make a huge difference for ECU home games. There's a reason they're so good at home um, because the fan the, – the home field advantage is so great. So it all just depends on health and, you know, guys playing up their – to their potential, much like so many other teams in the same boat. So I think we both agree that ECU, if they play to their potential, should at least be in a regional somewhere at season's in, seasons end, and we'll kind of see what goes from there. But uh, that was fun, man, fun baseball preview. And uh, just a couple days away, do you think the Pirates sweep this weekend?
0: It would sure be nice. I think Friday I think we're supposed to get a little rain, like you said, but Saturday and Sunday there's – pretty much 0% chance of any rain coming in, knock on some wood because we are in Greenville, North Carolina after all. But man, I hope so. I think it'll be interesting with, you know, Hunt making his first collegiate start and then some of the younger guys getting in. I think they should sweep, but realistically, you know, I could see two and one.
1: Yeah. Just win the series. I mean, One game at a time, like Cliff Goblin says, just win Friday. Or if it's a doubleheader Saturday, just win game one and then move on to game two. But I'm saying that they sweep. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right. That's enough ECU baseball. We're going to transition now to something very interesting and fun. Uh, I'm going to put Jonathan on the spot here. When I first started the podcast, I said we were going to do 20 questions, ECU student-athlete edition. Sometime on the podcast, probably after football season. Well, we're past football season um, We are knee-deep into the football offseason, and so we got a little downtime We used to go a strong hour podcast during football season, but we're around 30 minutes right now So we're going to conclude today's episode with the first-ever edition of the Hoist the colors 20-question challenge uh, ECU Pirate student-athlete edition. All right, so here's how it works For those unfamiliar so Jonathan is our contestant I have an ECU student athlete former or current in mind and he gets 20 questions and they have to be yes or no to ask me to try and whittle down who the answer is now if he guesses at any point if he guesses the student athlete he could guess it right off the bat but if he guesses wrong then he loses Uh, so he wants to whittle down the the answer Uh, or the the options for the answer by asking yes or no questions. So, Jonathan, are you ready to do this?
0: I am, and just to clarify, this is football, baseball, basketball, anyone?
1: Yeah, yeah, so football, baseball, and men's basketball. Um, Okay. Former or current student athlete, and I tried to make it, you know, obviously you're young, I'm not going to pick some dude from the 1970s that played (laughs) men's basketball that you wouldn't know, so I tried to make it somebody you at least have covered, or know about from uh, from watching the team since you you got to ECU. So uh, with that, I that, let's see if I can figure out a way to keep track of how many questions you've asked. But um, okay. I think we are uh, we are ready to go. Whenever you're ready to start asking a question, um,
0: I'll start out. Is was he a basketball player? No. Okay. Bad start. Um, was this player on an ECU roster during my freshman year? So the 17, 18 season?
1: He was. Yes.
0: Okay. Interesting. So baseball or football? You know what? We're in baseball season. Does, did he play baseball?
1: He did, yes. Okay. That is three questions. We have 17 remaining. So you've narrowed it down okay. to the sport.
0: Okay. Was this player also – so he was on the 2018 roster, right? He was. Just to make sure we got – okay. Was he also on the 2019 roster? Yes. Okay.
1: So he played in 2018 and 19.
0: Hmm. Well, that takes off my random off the wall guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you you could say it, and I won't count it as your guess. Who was it going to
0: be? I had a gut feeling even before I said baseball it was going to be Andrew Hendrickson.
1: You know, I honestly thought about him. He was one of the first guys <laughs> I thought about, but it is not Andrew Hendrickson. Okay. All right, you're four questions deep. You got 16 remaining. You're on the right track though. So. Now it's just a matter of narrowing it down.
0: Was this player an outfielder?
1: No. Okay. 15 questions remain for Jonathan. He's the initial contestant in the Hoist of Colors 20 question challenge. No pressure or no. Um, I'll take
0: a little bit of a shot not going to guess yet but did this player or is this player currently going on to play professional baseball
1: so is he or is he going so is he involved like like, yeah is he currently like involved
0: or okay
1: yeah he is in professional baseball or at least yes yes is the answer (laughs) i don't want to give away too many specifics yeah that is six questions 14 remain for jonathan wagner as he's on the right track this player again played in 2018 and 19 you know he's involved in professional baseball and i think that there's a down to
0: about six guys i think this is <laughs> we've had some good baseball players here
1: yeah there's there's a lot that have played professionally
0: okay um was this player a right-handed pitcher yes Oh, man. Okay. So, I'm down to, I believe, two.
1: Seven questions. Jonathan believes he's down to two. He's got it nailed down to a right-handed pitcher that's playing professional baseball somewhere. I'm going to
0: ask one, and this should tell me. All right. Is his professional organization the Cleveland Indians? No. Is the player – Evan Volva. Yes.
1: Nailed it. All right. So, okay. Evan Volva is our player, our 20-questions player. Jonathan got it. He just needed to ask eight questions. His ninth question was the player uh, itself, which is, is pretty good for the debut game. Um, so, nicely done. Evan Volva, for those who are unaware, you know, he, he's, not, he's not totally obscure. You know, he, he had a breakout 2019 season, recovered from Tommy John. He's in the New York Yankees organization. Uh, his senior year, he was probably the go-to bullpen guy for ECU. Made 32 appearances, five and four, three one nine ERA, and four saves in 2019. And that was on the team that went to the the Louisville Super Regional before he was drafted by the New York Yankees. So, good pick, Jonathan. I tried to make it, you know, somewhat random, but not too random.
0: Yeah, I think that was a you know decent enough start.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, the main thing I should have known.
0: It was baseball. I should have
1: known. The main thing is you didn't get it wrong after 20 questions. I mean, imagine how embarrassing <laughs> that would be. Uh, I was going to make it tough. You know, honestly, my initial thought was to go Cliff Goblin as a player, Ooh. which would have been challenging yet obvious at the same time. Um, but okay. I know – like, I know that you know he played, but you probably don't know, like, the exact time frame and all that sort of stuff. So it would have been tough. Um so I'm going to save that for a contestant down the road. So. Someone a little older than me. Exactly, exactly. But good job, man. You, uh, you did well on our ECU baseball uh, podcast preview. Now you can say that you were the first ever contestant of 20 questions. It was fun. and um, yeah, I'm glad.
0: Yeah, Glad to say I could be your test on me for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were the guinea pig. It went well. Um, Cliff Brock and, would be very
0: proud. Sports trivia.
1: Yes, he would. Well, 20 it? questions, actually. I am going to get clip on the podcast at some point and his is going to be extremely challenging because I want him to fail. <laughs> I'm going to pick the most obscure player from like the 2003 football team and see if he can come up with it. Um, I but, like it. But great job, Jonathan. I appreciate the time. And again, we'll have a written preview of the season up as well. Uh, We're at least me and you make some picks, you know, Lee intern Lee, might make some picks as well. Uh, I'll reach out to her and see if she wants to participate, but uh, it was fun, man. We'll have to uh, to do it again soon, and hopefully we're talking about some Pirate victories come uh, come Monday.
0: Yeah, I'm ready to finally be in baseball season, and I'm ready to bring out our old scorebooks again, because so I know me and you both like to keep score up there in the press box, and we didn't get to do that a whole lot last year, so I've got my scorebook ready. It's in my backpack ready to go. So,
1: Yeah, mine is ready. too, because we didn't really get to fill out all of our pages last year. It got cut a little short so uh but hopefully we can conclude this season and uh and use it all up use all the pages up and everything um but uh jonathan it was fun man and for everybody listening i want to thank you guys for riding along as always hope you enjoyed the the preview and the 20 questions game you've been listening to the hoist the colors podcast we'll be back with you either later this week or early next week to talk some more pirate baseball and whatever else is on our mind